0: Thank you, Dion, for uh, well and group for leading us in those songs this morning. Um, as is often true, once again, I feel like uh, you've set the stage incredibly well for uh, for what's coming in the message. As we talk about God, um, those were uh, songs that that reflected all pieces of God. There were songs about God, the Father, the Good Father. There were songs about the Holy Spirit being welcome here. There were songs about Jesus and what He's done for us. Begins to prepare our minds to think about this. A little bit, but as we go into the sermon, uh, let's start off with prayer. God, as we continue to explore, dive in, seek to uh, to understand more about you and who you are, and your relationship to us, as we continue this series that we've started, walking through the basics of our faith, the statement of faith that we have the sort of building blocks that form a foundation for us to grow from. Be with us. Be with us through your Holy Spirit here today as we explore, as we um, walk through this together. Soften our hearts, sharpen our minds, shape our spirits as we seek to meet you here, God, in your name. Amen. So we have uh, started a a new series here recently called Back to Basics, where we're taking a bit of a tour through uh, the EMC Statement of Faith, our Statement of Faith here at Pleasant Valley. Uh, And last week, Dion opened things up by talking about the Bible, and today we are going to be looking at the sort of second piece, the second article in our Statement of Faith, which is God. God. Uh, and I want to remind you as we get into this that my hope for this series is that we can do uh, three sort of things as we go through this. That it prepares us to speak well and confidently about what we believe and why we believe it. That as we talk about some of these things uh, that that you're given tools to go, I can articulate, I can speak well about what I believe about God. About what I believe about the Bible. Some of these big things. Uh, I hope that this series can help give us a sense of sort of the the heartbeat and the heritage of this church and conference. This is something that has come out of uh, 2,000 years of church history, but also intentional thought and prayer uh, by our uh, forefathers and mothers here in the EMC, people who have put time and energy and prayer and discernment into trying to understand what it is, that grounds us as a church community, and this is the list that they came up with. So what helps us to understand where we've come from. Uh, the third piece is that I hope it can equip us uh, and inspire us to a closer walk with God and with the people around us. I think everything in church is designed in some way to do that. That is the goal of what we are doing, is to build our faith and our relationship with God uh, and to build our relationship with those around us, other image bearers, other members of our community. Now, Dion opened up last week with a question, and the question was, what is the Bible to you? And I want to do the same thing this week and give you the opportunity just a few moments uh, to answer again. When you think about God, what do you think about? How would you describe God? It's a big question. Uh, I'll give you a few moments to think about it, and the way I'll do that is I'm going to show you a bit of a... A video. If you go up to a random person on the street and ask the question, what is God or who is God, you're going to get a, a wide variety of answers. Uh, and, and I came across this video when I was doing a bit of research, and it's a video from National Geographic. They're actually starting uh, a bit of a documentary series, I think, on God. Uh, and and this was sort of in preparation for that. So they went around to, I think it's over 20 countries in the world, and asked people, who is God? and uh, put together a little montage of some of those answers. So I want to show that video now. Who is God? Who is God? The loaded question. God is a character in a book. God is an idea. I just not something or some person to have faith in 살고 있지 않을까요? can survive. book is The gospel is a to 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 have faith in so that they can survive, and that's why they created God. God is nobody. I hope that God is someone with a great heart. But I don't know if he exists. You mean nothing for me. I don't know how to talk. I'm scared. God is anything we want he, she, it to be, I suppose. He's everywhere. Or she. Or it. Who is nothing like a Vietnam? There is a one God, but they have a lot of forms in all of their religions. For me, uh, according to my, my belief, Allah, the creator for Muslim people, but he is the same God for all of us actually. There is just one God and all the gods in our different religions like Jesus. Uh, Ganesh Ji, they're just branches of him. We just, like, basically we have to see some image to create, we just need some image to create in our minds. If you ask this question, who is God, if you have one God? God is not one, he is 12, and he is all in the He is not a human being, he is not a animal, we don't know what he is. God is the one that can't understand our human beings. It's difficult to imagine that a human being created this whole world. You can't touch him, yeah? he's, he's every you could replace God with the word love, for example. God is our ultimate daddy or mommy. God is love. God is light. The God in me, the God in you, e, the God in Trees, the flowers. espiritual, mas é mais vivo carnal. the, the But For He is God, the Almighty. Amen. There could be, uh, could be an interesting documentary. I actually know nothing about uh, the actual show that's coming up, but I thought that was a fascinating video, kind of looking at some of the different responses you get when you ask that question, uh, who is God? Uh, and so I want to take a moment and, and just open it up for, uh, I'm not looking for, for uh, paragraphs or essays here, uh, but just little thoughts about who is God what, uh, what words would you use to describe God? Uh, we won't have mics. You can uh, speak it out loudly, and I'll try and repeat it up here. The Savior of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and earth. Yeah. Yeah, God is creator. That's a good word for it. It's a true word. Maybe I I picked too big a question and gave you not enough time. I should have thrown something in in, in Facebook ahead of time. It's a very, uh, very significant thing. And I think we all, of course, uh, have thoughts about who God is to us. But it's sometimes difficult to articulate or difficult to speak because it feels like such a big thing. Uh, Now, Dion uh, hinted at it a little bit last week, but there was some debate in the office about what order to do these things in. Uh, We ended up sticking with the order that is in our statement of faith, uh, which is the Bible is first and then God in the order that they go through things. Uh, But I've sometimes wondered if it would make sense to swap these two. After all, God's word comes from God. We don't worship the Bible, we worship God. Uh, All that to say that this subject is foundational at the very core of what we believe There's an A.W. Tozer quote that I think might be in the workbooks that we use uh, for baptism classes, and it says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because what we think about God is going to determine how we worship, how we trust, how we live how we read the Bible, it's going to color everything else about our lives and our faith. So it's important to have a clear picture of who God is. Uh, And we're going to explore that a little bit today. I want to start off by talking about a few things that God is not. There are constant temptations in life, and that's not a new thing for us. We see this all throughout Scripture as well. Uh, And in the responses of the folks in this video, a temptation to shape God into sort of our own image or our own ideas about who God is or isn't and that's the literal definition of idolatry to try and shape God into some form that suits you instead of worshiping who he actually is to try and mold or frame him by our standards or our wishes or our ideas about who he could be so we need to be careful of this Uh, And here are four, there's more than four, but here are four uh, mischaracterizations of God, things that we get wrong about God sometimes that we need to be careful of. First of all, God isn't a genie. (laughs) We can sometimes treat God uh, as someone that we sort of put on the shelf, keep at a distance, ignore, disobey. But then when a crisis comes... When some sort of thing, something bad happens, when we need something, now we pray. Now we call on God and expect Him to intervene. And then, once that passes, we kind of shove Him back in His lamp again and put Him on the shelf to collect dust until we need Him again. Israel did this in the Old Testament. We see this cycle over and over again. They would call on God; God would rescue them, and then they would kind of drift and they would pursue. Other things, And they would pursue other gods and they would pursue sin and they would pursue uh, sort of whatever was around them until crisis came again or some foreign nation was threatening and then back to God again to call on him. Go to the temple or go to the tabernacle and, and pray to God once again to rescue. This is not a new thing for us, but it is a temptation that we can fall into. God isn't a genie. Second, God isn't your cool parent. This is the first image that popped up when I searched for cool dad. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, don't, I think he might actually be a pretty cool dad. I'm not entirely sure. The headphones match his shirt and everything. It's very cool. But anyways, um, God, uh, everyone had a, a friend growing up, I feel like. Most of us did. I can certainly remember friends like this who had the cool parents. The parents that would let you get away with anything. You want to watch that R-rated movie with all your 11-year-old friends? Go for it. You want to eat junk food all day? Fill your boots. Don't worry about it. You want to take that firework package and open them all up and put all the gunpowder and explosives into a paper mache pig and hang it about 10 feet off the ground from a tree and light it with a short fuse and see what happens? Have fun. Some of these may be from experience. But God is not a cool dad. We do this sometimes. With God, Oh, God doesn't judge me. He loves me. God will let me do whatever he wants, whatever I want. He's, he's forgiven me. Uh, f- following God is meant to draw us into a changed life. God loves us, and so he calls us out of darkness and into light to follow him in all areas of our lives. God creates boundaries for us, and those boundaries matter to him. He's not just the cool dad. Third, God isn't the abusive parent. On the other side of the coin, God has been portrayed as vindictive, judgmental, without grace or love, looking for the opportunity to hurt you when you fall short or when you mess up or when you don't live up to his standards. The Bible speaks often about God's wrath towards sin. But he is patient towards his people. He is faithful to keep his promises. He is characterized in all things by a deep and true love. And he continues to call us back to himself like the prodigal father. God is not your abusive parent. The fourth one that I'll go into is that God is not a rubber stamp. Sometimes we treat God as a tool to authorize us to behave in certain ways with holy backing. Uh, we take verses. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven is one of those verses. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Psalm thirty-seven, four. He will give you the desires of your heart. Philippians four, thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we can take those things which are beautiful promises, but we end up twisting them to be useful for whatever it is that we're going through. We use them to authorize or to say, have God rubber stamp or sign off on things that he never intended or these verses never intended. Another way we sometimes use God as a rubber stamp, and I want to be careful about this, uh, uh, but, but sometimes in meetings or conversations, people will say, this is what God told me, or this is where God is leading us, and, and those things have a way of shutting down conversation completely. It's, 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 it, I don't want to say that God doesn't speak to people or give us guidance or help us to understand the way to go. But when we use that kind of language, quite often what's happening is that we're using the power of God to rubber stamp our strong opinion about a situation. And we need to be very, very careful about how we use that language. God is not a rubber stamp all right so that's what god isn't but enough of the negative what is god i hope you don't see this as a cop-out but this is far too big a concept to have any hope of covering completely in any single sermon or any series of sermons i'm simply not going to speak or be able to speak in a complete way about god Um, i found during sermon prep i was almost paralyzed by choice how should i approach this What should I try and cover or highlight? But let's start appropriately at the EMC Statement of Faith. This is what it has to say about God. We believe in only one God, eternal, infinite, and unchanging. He alone is the creator, the sustainer, and redeemer. He exists and reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all persons in this tri-unity are fully and equally God. So when our conference, our church sat down and said, what is it that we need to make clear about who God is? What they did when they said, what are the two or three sentences that we can do to sort of show who God is in a practical way, what's the foundation of our understanding about God, they went where the majority of the church has gone for the last 2,000 years, to the concept of the Trinity, of the triune God. And this is one of the great mysteries of our faith, something that is absolutely essential and core to what we believe, but incredibly hard uh, to articulate. Here's the diagram that would show up when we talked about the Trinity, uh, in college. And I know I'm just as confused as you are. I don't it, it, it's it's a hard thing to try and wrap your head around God is the Father, is the Son, is the Holy Spirit, but the Father is not the Holy Spirit and is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father or the Holy Spirit. And it kind of tries to begin to capture this in a diagram, but it ends up twisting our head into knots, trying to understand this. There are all sorts of analogies that we try to use to capture who, The Trinity is, or who God is as this three in one or one in three. God is like a three-leaf clover, one plant with three distinct leaves. God is like water. You can find that it is ice and liquid and vapor. God is like the sun. It's it's a star, but it emits heat and light. God is like an egg with the yolk and the white and the shell. Or God is like a man who can be a a father and a husband uh, and an employer. But all of these analogies fall short. In some way. You may have seen the video I posted uh, to Facebook uh, yesterday, which goes through and pokes holes in all of these in various ways. The video was a little bit aggressive in how it did that, went a little bit far, I think. Uh, I think that each of these, there is usefulness in each of these to understand pieces about who God is and what this Trinity is, but it's important to acknowledge that they all fall short in some meaningful way. And so will any attempt that we make to try and speak in a way that fully defines this or fully captures this idea of the Trinity. This idea of three in one scrambles our brains a little bit. And in the end, that makes sense. I don't think it should be shocking that our brains are scrambled a bit by this. The Bible reminds us often that God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. If we could clearly understand it, I think we would be making God too small. Darren has often talked about, in fact, talked about this morning in Sunday school class, this concept of a more than God or a bigger than God, a God that is more than we expect or imagine, a God that goes beyond what it is that we understand right now. And to me, the Trinity is a perfect expression of that. It doesn't fit into our heads. And so we simply have to approach this Uh, Not with full understanding, but with faith. Another thing that we talked about a bit in Sunday School this morning. I'll put a little plug in, by the way. The second season of the uh, podcast that I co-host, the Armchair Anabaptist, has started to release. Uh, And on our third episode, which I think comes out in about three weeks now, uh, we actually talk about the Trinity and what the Trinity means. And and the, the season is talking about community, so it's talking about what the Trinity teaches us about what it means to live in community. It's very confusing stuff. We brought on some smart people uh, to process this with. Uh, I didn't have to give any of the answers. I only had to ask questions. And so it was an enjoyable thing for me. That comes out in a couple of weeks if this is the sort of thing that you want to dig a little bit further into. But today what I want to do is not leave you with some abstract exercise in trying to imagine the nature of the Trinity. What I want to do instead is to center us and focus us On Jesus. Because for all that we can't understand, here is what we do know. Here is what the Bible makes clear for us Jesus is our best picture of who God is. Paul says that Jesus is the invisible God made visible. John says that no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, has made him known. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to understand the character of God, read the Gospels. We're going through Mark in adult Sunday school, and I've so enjoyed working our way slowly through that book and digging into the character and the teaching and life of Jesus And when we do that, we see God. We see who God is. In the time we have left, I want to take a look at one specific passage of Scripture that opens this up for us. It's all well and good for me to stand up here and say this to you, but I want to go to the Bible uh, and explore this idea. Uh, And and what I want to do is is draw you into uh, Jesus' teaching in the upper room, found in John 13-17. to Uh, That passage in Scripture, John 13 to 17, is, I think it is the longest, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think it is the longest sort of uninterrupted teaching that we get from Jesus. It's the sort of passage that always feels a little bit to me, like I should be taking my shoes off when I read it, like Moses approaching the burning bush. It is a holy passage. It is a passage where Jesus uh, speaks beautifully about the promises he has for us in his plan uh, and his purpose and his relationship with us. It's full to the brim of incredible teaching. And it's Jesus' last recorded teaching. It's his last chance to teach his disciples before his crucifixion. And one of the things that this passage does more or better than almost anywhere else in the Bible is talk about the concept of the Trinity, of these three pieces of God and how they work together together. And what's made clear here, what I want to focus on, is that when we have a relationship with Jesus, we have a relationship with all of God. We are brought into relationship with all of God. So, let's walk through this together. I'm going to center in on one piece of scripture in John 14, verses 6 to 18. So, I'll invite you, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. There's going to be pieces of it that are up on the screen here. But we're going to walk through that passage, and not everything is going to be in the slides. Just a few key points I want to make as we go through this. The first point is this. Through Jesus, we know the Father. Through Jesus, we know the Father. Throughout his ministry, Jesus has sometimes been frustratingly hard to pin down on who he is exactly or what his relationship is to God the Father, to Yahweh, to the God of the Israelites. Uh, talked about that as well in Adult Sunday School today. The way that Jesus can sometimes seem a little bit evasive or a little bit um, vague, and sometimes you wish he'd come out and just say it, but so often he seems to kind of dance around or give sort of gray answers to things. Uh, here in this last moment, in his last bit of teaching with the disciples, he makes it clear. I think he speaks more plainly here than he does almost anywhere else in Scripture. Uh, Jesus answered, it says, this is verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And still those disciples, as it's so often true, they don't quite get it. They don't quite understand what Jesus is saying. It's so encouraging for me that they don't get it. Because it gives me permission to be a little bit confused, a little bit lost sometimes when I'm trying to understand what it is that Jesus is saying here. The ones who were closest with him were so often uh, confused or a little bit lost. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So Jesus, thanks for that. But you obviously know the Father so well. Can you get us a meeting? Can you get us in the room with him? We want to see the Father in the way that you see the Father. We want to be connected to God in the way that you're connected to God. If you're leaving, you need to introduce us. You need to be the middleman so that we can get in the same room. But Philip has missed what Jesus is saying. Jesus answered, "'Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, "'Show us the Father?' Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus says clearly, you don't need to see the Father. You don't need me to introduce him to you. Because you already have him. If you see me, Jesus says, you see him. I am in him, and he is in me. Jesus is our gateway to the Father. But it's not that Jesus is a doorman that allows access. It's that when we encounter Jesus, when we are in relationship with Jesus, we have also encountered the Father. Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of, Of his being. To see Jesus is to see the Father. If you want to know what God the Father is like, look at Jesus. Second, Jesus gives us his own power. Jesus continues speaking. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So it feels obvious to say that a relationship with Jesus means we have a relationship with Jesus. But here he makes it clear. It's not that Jesus is stepping out of the picture and somehow leaving so that God the Father and the Holy Spirit take over. Jesus remains active in our lives. Jesus remains active um, in our faith. And so he is also... A part of this. This is one of those verses, by the way, that can end up being used as a bit of a rubber stamp. I will do whatever you ask in my name, it says here. Uh, we're not going to get deep into this. We don't have time, but there's a clue here that you shouldn't miss. The purpose of all these things is to bring glory to God the Father, to the glory of God. And so if our hearts aren't in alignment with that, if we are asking out of different motives, it should be no surprise if those prayers are not answered. Jesus makes it clear that the authority we are given comes with an ultimate purpose, and he makes it clear that that authority comes through relationship with him. Third, through Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit. The authority we have in Christ doesn't mean we're acting on our own. He says here again, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus wants us to follow him. But here, listen to how the three persons of God are revealed in this verse. If you love me, you will do what I command, says Jesus. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, working together. A Spirit that will live in you and be in you. And through that Spirit, it says, Jesus does not leave us as orphans but comes to us. And so in those verses, we have the beginnings of a mystery revealed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity, united as one, but functioning as distinct persons with distinct roles in relationship with each other. It's too much to take in or to understand. But my point going into this passage is this, as I said before we jumped in. Jesus is the centerpiece here. Jesus is what brings this together. Through Jesus, we are saved. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father. Through Jesus, we are given the Holy Spirit. To put Jesus at the center of our faith or our understanding of God is not to diminish or or push aside the other parts of the Trinity, of God the Father or the Spirit, but rather is to recognize that Jesus is the lens through which we see God, through which we can best understand God the Father, and Jesus is here with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Paul can place Jesus directly at the core. He says, I resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, because through Jesus we see the Father, and through Jesus we have the Spirit. To divert just a little bit as we close here, there have been times in my life where I have Doubted My faith, where I have been uncertain, where I've wrestled with the authority of Scripture, or the existence of God, or my understanding of the supernatural world, heaven, hell, all these sorts of things. In the end, for me, at a very personal level, when I look at my faith journey, it comes back to Jesus. He's my starting point. When I think about my own personal statement of faith, It starts with God, but more than that, it starts with Jesus. And that's true in a really practical way. I'm a logical guy. I like to think things in logical ways. And Jesus was a historical figure who is documented and written about outside of Scripture. He's known and understood to have lived and taught and died on a cross. Those things aren't really in debate uh, in the Christian world or in the secular world. The fact that a man named Jesus lived gained notoriety as a teacher, and was eventually killed, those things are understood to be generally true in history. And so he becomes my anchor. I know, just not, not just in myself, not just even from Scripture, I know from the historical record that Jesus was here, he existed, he taught, he died. Now the question becomes, do I believe what he said? And as I read the Bible, I am so deeply convinced that his words are true, that Jesus is who he said he was. And Jesus loved the Bible. Jesus loved the Old Testament. He held it up as an authority, as God breathed, as something worthy for us to follow. He treated it as the inspired word of God, God, and so then I treat it as the inspired word of God. And Jesus says he represents the character of God the Father. And so then through him, I am in relationship with God the Father. And Jesus promises the coming of a counselor, a helper, who will be with us. And so through Jesus' promise, I trust that the Holy Spirit is working in those of us who follow him. We are Christians, Christians. We follow Jesus. We're made righteous by his sacrifice. We're given assurance by his resurrection. And so this becomes the cornerstone of everything the place where we build from where we find safe refuge in a storm where as paul says we find every single yes and amen every answer to the question that we ask if you want to know god start with jesus amen amen